the two types of failure. And while failing might just be the best thing to ever happen to your business on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Thrive Themes, blazingly fast WordPress templates and plugins built to get more traffic, more subscribers, more clients, and more customers to you. To find out how Thrive Themes can turn your blog or website into a money-making work of art, go to servenomaster.com backslash Thrive Themes. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now. Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author, Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. Every time we see someone achieve greatness, whether it was last year when a satellite landed on a comet for the very first time, these people achieved an amazing mathematical feat, human ingenuity and science, something beyond what I could ever imagine doing myself. When you think about how fast comets are moving and all the logistics of the fact that when they launch from Earth, the position changes every second by thousands of miles. The math involved blows my mind. It's astounding and very impressive. We see people win the Super Bowl or the Olympics. I always hear them say things like, oh, he was just born that way, or he's just lucky, or he has great genetics, or it's his parents. We're always looking when someone succeeds to blame anything other than the person. When we see something we don't like, sometimes when it's a, in politics, we'll blame a foreign actor. We say, oh, he won because of a foreign actor or because someone cheated or all these other things. We want to do anything other than blame the person's success, especially when we're on the team that lost or the person who won is very different from us. What we want to do is find a reason why we haven't succeeded in the way this person has. And rather than take credit for our failure, see if I say, oh, he won the Olympics because he worked harder than me, then that's a critique of my own life. He has a successful business because he put in more hours than I did. He has a better job than me because he worked hard in high school. These are sentences that no one ever says. They're very hard to do. We have a natural inclination to protect our own ego. This is why we remember things so incorrectly and we have such an ability to adjust. And we are always trying to protect our ego and it causes us to make some very poor decisions. So the idea of blaming a third party actor, we like to do it when it comes to our own lives. And it can be genetics, ability, talent, God, the universe. We blame all of these things, our parents, anything other than ourselves. And this happens when we don't understand that there are two types of failure and that one of them is very, very, very good. Most often when we misinterpret the type of failure we're experiencing, when we think it's one type, but it's actually the other, that's when we begin to say these things. So the two types of failure are systemic and random. A systemic failure is when you have the same mistake and you get the same result over and over and over again. If every single morning you get up and you turn the shower on with the wrong handle and every morning you get a freezing shower, that's a systemic failure because you're having the same problem over and over again and you're getting the same result over and over again. But when you have a random failure, that's very good. An example of a random failure is when you're building a website and first you're working on the home page and you have a problem with getting it to load correctly. Then you're working on the about me page and you have a problem with one of the videos. 
So you're working through the process and you keep hitting different problems. Now, it comes down to interpretation. Oftentimes, we have different failures that give us the same result. More often, this happens to people in a more specific example. For example, in dating, if you go on five dates and all of them end in failure, you could easily say, the universe is broken. But if we look more closely, we find out at the first date, you chose a bad restaurant. At the second date, the person had just been fired beforehand. On the third date, there was a big age differential. We could find that actually the dates failed for five different reasons. In that case, you're on the right track because you're learning from your mistakes. When you have random failures, it means that you're learning and having different mistakes. So let's get more specific. I know that a lot of people who follow me and a lot of people listen to podcasts, just like in any other business, get really excited for a while and then sometimes they fall off because they start to say, well, I can't do it. And the greatest example is with writing. I'm working on my new book, 20K in a Day, and this is actually one of the big sections. And I wanted to share this with you now so you don't have to wait for it to get published because this is so important to me. So you start writing a book, but the book's not done. The first time you try to write, your kids distract you. The second time you try to write, the power goes out. The third time you start working on a chapter, you get distracted by Facebook. The next time you get distracted by the television. Now, each of these little individual failures, they're systemic. If you get distracted by Facebook over and over again, that's a Facebook problem. But here's the thing, that's fixable. You can turn off the internet. You can unplug your router, the problem disappears. So it's fixable. It's only when we take a group of these little problems and combine them that then we have a real issue. See, true systemic problems are always correctable. You can say, this is the exact reason I have a problem. But when we have a bunch of random errors, you go, oh, I tried to write a book and I ran into 15 different problems. And then you say the sentence that proves it's a misinterpretation. You'll say, God must not want me to write a book or I'm just not a writer. I wasn't born with the talent or the ability to be a writer. You see a great writer say, oh, I wish I had that ability. You can look at me and even say that. And knowing what I went through and how hard I fought to get good at writing, it's kind of amazing to me because I can see my experience, but people on the outside I know can only see my success. Last night, a really, really good copywriter sent me a message and said, wow, you're a really good copywriter too. Blew my mind. Three years ago, I was known as the worst copywriter in all of direct marketing. I turned it around by putting in a lot of hours, a lot of study, eating a lot of crow, by practicing with three or four different guys to just learn, learn, learn. But we don't see that, right? When we see someone succeed, we just see the success. And that's normal. The problem is you see me and you go, oh, well, he was born that way or it's luck or whatever you want to blame. You'll blame anything other than hard work. As soon as you do that, you put yourself in a bad position because when you blame an uncontrollable factor for my success or for your lack of success in any category, you immediately take away your ability to change your life. If we look at the big picture and we look a little in the philosophy and there's a, you know, the whole philosophy, the law of attraction And I believe that the law of attraction combined with right action does lead to success where you kind of have your mind set on a goal and then you take the action steps to get there. But one of the things that came out of my research into that area is that a lot of people say that they want to be successful, but then they have thoughts that block them. For example, there are people who think that money changes you or that money is evil or that rich people are bad. If you have any of these thoughts, those negative thoughts will block you from success because you're telling your mind, Money is evil. So part of you wants money, but part of you doesn't. You've created your own barrier. Nobody who thinks money is evil ends up with a lot of money, okay? You will actively and passively in your subconscious, you'll all always be at war, but you'll never hit big numbers because a part of you thinks it's evil. 
And the same way you can put blocks on your ability to make change when you blame things that aren't real. So if you say Jonathan's successful because he had rich parents or because his IQ is so high or because of where he went to college, you can blame anything you want, right? Anything that's outside of my control. I can't control what my IQ is. The thing about IQ is you can't study for an IQ test, right? That's the whole reason it's designed. They're trying to test your baseline intelligence. That's outside my control. I can't control my skin color. I can't control my eye color. I can't control who my parents were. So anytime you blame something outside of my control, whether it's something tangible like my parents or something intangible like the universe, luck, fate, ability, what you're saying is I succeeded not by my own effort and therefore you can apply as much effort as you want and it won't make a difference. As soon as we separate success and effort, we become powerless. You destroy your ability to succeed. If you blame a series of random failures on a systemic failure, you will say, oh, the reason I haven't finished my book is that the universe is against me. I'm not meant to be a writer. We make all of these excuses. But I've developed a little test for you to check, and you can check every single time. We all have things that we can't do no matter what. Mine is Sudoku. There are, I don't know, 7 billion people on the planet. I know the number is always changing. Maybe it's 8 billion soon. Of those people, you could rank everyone in ability for Sudoku, and I would be last. Now, this is amazing, considering that on the college entrance examinations, I got perfect in math. Considering that I have math awards, that I have all this math ability, I cannot do Sudoku. People think Sudoku is math, turns out it's not, because I don't have the ability. I even tried doing it with my nephew. He had kids Sudoku, which used colors instead of numbers, and had four squares or six squares instead of nine. Can't do it. I was trying to do it with him for an hour. It's the only place where I couldn't help anyone. And my sister, in fact, thought I was joking. She thought I was like being a bit of a jerk because I wouldn't help with the Sudoku. And I go, it's not a joke. I can't do it. I'm not pretending I can't do it. So in my life, I have something that I cannot do. And I've tried many times. This does not come from me looking at Sudoku once again. That looks hard. I sat down with the Sudoku book for a couple of hours. I, I never solved one puzzle. I haven't solved the children's one that my, when he was doing when he was like six or seven years old, my nephew. It's something I simply can't do. And here's the test. I call it the gun to my mom's head Sudoku test. Someone kidnapped my mom, put a gun to her head and said, do this Sudoku problem. You have five minutes. I would start saying goodbye to my mom because I know I can't do it. Now, I'll try. I'll try really hard, try really hard. It was a different member of my family, whoever it is. I would try really, really hard, but I already know I can't do it. I've tried a lot of times. I don't have the ability. And I don't know if it's because uh, I partied too much when I was younger and maybe a brain cell is missing or what the reason is, but it's a very specific thing that I can't do. And that's the test. So if I said to you, you have two weeks to write a book, you need to write 10,000 words in the next two weeks, your family gets it. Would you be able to do it? Of course. Now, might the book be crappy? Yes, it might be. But so what? You save your family's life. There are a lot of things like that. Okay. If you told me I've got to run a marathon, I'd be like, no way. You've got my kids. Let's start running. I find a way to do it. So there are things, of course, I'd be very slow and it'll probably take me to like 24 hours to do it, but I would do it. I would start running immediately. So there are things that we can do if we have to. Now, sometimes it is lack of training. For example, if I have to run at a certain speed, I need to train. If I train, 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 I can get faster, faster, faster. And eventually I hit the end of my skill level, but I'm nowhere near it right now. So I'm fat and I don't run very often. Now, if it's surfing or paddling, I could do a lot better because I do do those a lot. Or if it's riding an exercise bike, yeah, I can ride that pretty well. So when we start to blame these 
small random failures, which are actually a good thing because they're teaching you how to improve. As you overcome and fix each random error, it disappears from your life. It doesn't happen again. That means you're improving. But when we blame something else, we say, oh, it's the universe. Then it goes, if it's the universe's fault that it's broken, I can't fix it because I can't fight against the universe. The universe is more powerful than me. So as soon as we blame an external power for someone else's success or for our own lack of success, only thing we are doing is justifying our own inaction. And the real reason that most of us fail at tasks, and we all fail at different things, I failed at a lot of things, it's lack of focus, lack of attention, lack of effort. Because if you said to me that in 12 months, I got to step into the octagon, I got to go to Las Vegas and fight a UFC fighter, I've got 12 months, guess what? I could do it. Would I win the fight? I don't know. But I could certainly train really hard and train well enough to belong there. It's about motivation. You got my mom? Let's start training. And I want you to think about that for the things you say you can't do or the things you hold you back or the reasons your business is failing. Are they things that are actually outside your control or is that just an excuse? Here's another area that you might be very familiar with. Oh, I started a small business, but I can't find any clients. Every time I have this conversation with someone, I say, how many methods are you using to try and find clients? Well, I print out business cards. How many have you handed out? Well, I haven't handed out any. Well, how would anyone see it? No one can see through your pocket. How about this one? In order to get clients, when I started my SEO business many years ago, back in 2010, my very first online business, I started off, I posted an ad on Craigslist at least three times a week. If I could have done it more, I would have, but you're not really allowed to. Craigslist has a lot of rules. They'll delete your ads if you do them too frequently, unless you're really sneaky. And I wasn't that advanced with tricking Craigslist. But you post your ad, you have to be consistent. And a lot of people, I started coaching people once that business got successful. I said, hey, let me teach you how to get clients. And all these clients, and I would say, all you have to do is post this ad three times a week on Craigslist. And they wouldn't do it. They post it once. And I'm like, well, I haven't got any customers. I go, yeah, because Craigslist, the ads disappear after a day. People only scroll so far down the list. There's always new ads. The way to be at the top of the heap is to post every three days. I always do it between 7 and 9 a.m. And that's when I get a lot of hits. They do it once or twice. Say, oh, it didn't work for me. I'm done. They didn't put in the effort. So they blame the system. Another way I found clients, I used to go to tons of meetup.com events. I would go to all these different events filled with people who were mostly, their business was were not doing well. And that's me being very generous. They were desperate for someone to save their business. You go to these small business meetups, the young entrepreneur meetups, it's all people, uh, they're just trying to get started. And I'm surrounded by people whose businesses aren't doing very well, most of those meetups. But I went to all of them. I would always tell people what I do, pass out the occasional card. Almost nobody could ever afford what I was doing because their businesses were all in the red like most new businesses, or they're part of like pyramid schemes. Like I'm going to buy a bunch of knockoff Red Bull out of the trunk of someone's car. Um, I'm okay on that one. So we go to these meetups and I would go to all these things and I would get a client. I'd go to 10 meetups and every 10 meetups, I'd find someone who would pay me a nice high ticket offer. I would find someone who was really looking for someone like me. It would be a great opportunity. And from going to meetup events, I probably made 10, 20, $30,000 over that year. Just from different clients. Some clients you hire them for $1,000 a month for 10 months. It's pretty good. All these efforts are the reason I found clients. People would say, it's luck. And I'd say to someone, so when I'm training someone or coaching someone or mentoring someone, when I was doing a lot of that at that time, I would say, okay, you haven't done the Facebook thing. How many people have you told about your new business? Well, I told my wife, well, how's that help? She's not going to hire you. Even if she does, she's just going to pay you with money that's already inside your family. So if you don't tell your friends, you don't tell your neighbors, you don't post on Facebook, you don't even tell the people in your social circle that you have a new business, 
They can't do anything to help you. And then on top of that, I'll say, how many meetup events have you gone to? Have you gone to a chamber of commerce event? Have you gone to any type of networking events? Well, no, I'm really busy. Okay, if you haven't taken the actions, how can you blame something else? But we do it, we'll say, oh, the system doesn't work. And I know that there are people who go through my system and say things like this, but I can see, see, I can check if you've watched all the videos. So I can look and see if someone's been through the whole course. And in fact, I don't even have to do that. I can usually just ask one or two questions from the second half of any course. If I have a 10 video course, I ask a question from video seven, person has no idea what I'm talking about. It's a dead giveaway. And that's okay, because that's what a lot of people do. It's not, it's not like you're the exception. That's actually the rule. Most people don't take the actions that they should. It's very normal. We don't finish the books, we buy the courses we buy. I'm just as guilty. At a course I was working through, I ran out of time. I still haven't finished it. It's been about four months. I wish I'd finished it. I wish I had the time. I'm working on other stuff. So it's not the course that doesn't work. It's my lack of time and focus. It's not my priority. I'm working on some other stuff. So as we look at ourselves, if we can become people who separate the two differences between a systemic problem and a random problem, we'll stop blaming the universe. The reason you haven't finished that book is because you haven't put in the hours. And that's okay. Because the moment you isolate the problem, you can fix it. You then have the choice. I can say, you know what? The reason I'm fat is because I don't work out enough. Solution, I get up every morning an extra hour early and I exercise before I start my day. It's hard for me to exercise at the end of the day with these two kids. I'm still adapting to being a new dad. I haven't really mastered it. Okay, having one kid, you can kind of do a lot, get away with a lot of stuff. But having a baby, we, whenever we try to work out, if he's in the crib in the room with us, he starts screaming. He gets like under your kettlebell when you're working out and that's not where you want your baby. So obviously I don't do that. That's a new struggle that I have to overcome, okay? And we're learning to adapt. And that's a series of random failures because we try different things. We try to put him in the crib, he cries. Okay, let's try to put him on the floor, he cries. Okay, we got to try different things. Do we put him with the nanny? He doesn't want to be the nanny, it's too early. She doesn't come here that early. So we're adapting. So we have a systemic failure, but then we realize once we start implementing the solution, we run into a bunch of random failures again. So going back and forth between the two things you're dealing with, random failures usually you can fix very quickly. A systemic failure might take you longer to fix. Now there are people, who have systemic fears and don't realize it. For example, if you've been on 50 first dates and no second date in the last year, okay, you got a systemic problem, okay? Because you keep getting the same result. And I know people that do this. You know, I worked in dating for a long time. It's very common in dating. People go, I'm not gonna change. I have to find the one right person who likes me the way I am. They're gonna do a lot of waiting. <laughs> if you don't change your strategy, if you take everyone on the same date and the date keeps failing, maybe try a different date. So we can get locked into patterns where we are doing the wrong thing over and over again and we choose not to change it. And that's a decision. And I've had friends who've made that active decision and 10 years later, they still don't have a partner. They're still very lonely, but they would rather die alone than change. And there's a lot of people like that, that's fine. As long as it's an active choice, fair enough. So as you were working on building your business, as you're thinking about motivation, every single time you wanna blame the universe, time, someone else, blame me, a lot of people blame me, that's okay. I want you to sit back and go, wait a minute, am I misinterpreting random failure and thinking it's systemic? Because whenever you blame something you can't control, that's a big sign. That's a big sign that you are misinterpreting your failure. Now, I know you're gonna say there's exceptions to the rules. What if you're in jail or what if you're a slave or what if you're kidnapped? Yes, of course. But unless those have happened to you, let's not talk about those exceptions. Because 99% of the time, and if you're able to listen to a podcast, you probably have free will. The problem is something else. And I've seen this in a lot of very specific cases. I tell in 20K in a day, the story of a child I tutored whose school told him he was special needs and turned out he's probably the smartest person I've ever met. 
is probably one of the 10 smartest people walking the face of the earth these days. And the school misinterpreted a small random failure in their own teaching process that they didn't correct, so they missed what was actually happening. And they misinterpreted, one of the most amazing misinterpretations I've ever seen, they told the parents, your child is special needs. We will never be able to teach him. He's unfixable. And when I isolated the actual problem, I said, oh no, you guys, have, you guys are looking at the wrong thing. It's one tiny, tiny problem. If we fix this tiny failure, I fixed the tiny failure because I noticed it. And then the end of the story, the principal of the school wanted to talk to me because they thought I was the greatest tutor in the world because I'd somehow cured a special needs child. And I said, it's not what I did. I didn't cure special needs. What I did was realize your mystic diagnosis. Very different. You misdiagnosed a random failure and thought it was systemic. And when you did that, you then looked for an external source. Same thing happens when they put every single kid in America on Adderall. If I lived in America, my daughter would be on it right now, if I would let them. My daughter only plays with the boys. Now there's only one other girl in our class and she's three years old, four years old now. Her birthday today is four. And she gets into fights a lot at school with the boys. She's at a rambunctious age. And they wanna say, oh, there's something wrong. Can't focus. Let's dose her up, okay? Because that's an easy solution. You're assuming it's this large systemic problem and the solution to that large systemic problem is a really large, powerful chemical solution that has a lot of long-term side effects, a lot of long-term complications. And that's not something I want to introduce into my child's life. If I was two years younger, they would have put me on it. Oftentimes, we look to medical diagnosis or these big things to solve problems because we assume it's external. Because guess what? If your child's inability to focus is a medical problem, that's outside your control, so it's not your fault. Hey, guess what? You know why my daughter gets in a fight at school all the time? Because I told her to. First fight she got in at school. She goes to a school here. School here is so poor, she had to buy her own chair. She bought her own chair. First day at school, someone tried to take it from her. She punched him in the face. And the teacher said to me, your daughter punched him in the face. I said, yeah, but someone was stealing from her. I'm not gonna let my kids sit on the floor. You made me buy a chair. It's not like it's a random chair. Now, if it was all room chairs, I would not be okay with it, okay? But if someone's trying to steal something that you made me buy my kid, of course she's gonna defend it. It's actually hers. It's not, she thinks it's hers. It's not her favorite desk, not her favorite chair. It's the one you made me buy her. It's the one that she chose the color and she chose the design. So it has a meaning for her. And I encourage my children to not be bullied. So there is that balance, but people want to misinterpret and say, oh, your kid's violent. I'm saying, well, if you rob most people, they don't like it. So figuring out things, and maybe you disagree with my parenting style, but I believe you should say, hey, don't take my stuff, probably is too rambunctious. She came home with a bruise on her face last week. She does get into a lot of fights at school. Maybe it's too much, but it's not really school. She's four. It's not like she's in high school. But we always want to blame these big problems because then we don't have to do anything. But you know what? If my daughter's behavior stays a problem when she's six or seven, when she's actually in school, when she's at an age where I can really help her, but then I can spend time with her every day and really help her work on fixing the problem and isolating why she can't focus rather than just going, hey, you're broken, take these pills. Because right now, something like 30% of students are on Adderall or some other ADD medication. What do you think the odds are that one out of three people are broken? Seems pretty unlikely. So we have a tendency to look for big problems so that we don't have to take responsibility. I was a bad kid. I got a lot of trouble in school. I got detention a lot, I got a lot of fights. I won a lot, lost a few. It's not because something's wrong with me. There was other stuff going on, okay? I didn't learn how to socialize properly when I was young. And before you start blaming my parents, the second you blame my parents, you take away my power and I won't let you do that. Because guess what? When I was 17, I studied Nathan. 
And I talk about this in Serve No Master. He doesn't even know that he changed my life because he was the first person I met who was popular and nice. And I studied him like you wouldn't believe. I know more about him 20 years later than I do about any other person on the earth probably. I studied every mannerism, every tick, how he cut his hair. I looked at everything to isolate why is he popular? Because he's surrounded by people, unlike at most high schools, he was the popular guy surrounded by people who loved him instead of people who feared him. And this fascinated and baffled me. And I studied him, figured out what the problem was. I said, I gotta act like that, then people love me too. Guess what, it worked. All of my friends who were friends with me at the time, including Nathan's younger brother, two years later, they go, you know, when I first met you, I hated you. But I really like you. You were such a jerk. We were all afraid that you would say mean things that hurt our feelings, but now you're the coolest guy we know. And I said, yeah, I studied your brother. <laughs> and it's a little bit hard to understand, okay? When someone says, I studied your brother to learn how to be nice, what do you say to that? So the problem was something caused by my behavior. I learned how to change my behavior by studying someone. I altered my behavior. I fixed the problem. It was not a systemic problem. It was not a problem that required medical intervention. The problem was not outside my control. So if you say something is outside my control, it's my parents, it's my genetics, whatever you want to blame. The second you do that, that means I can't fix it. And I don't want you doing that to me. I don't want you doing that to yourself. So when you face failures in your business, when you run into these little random failures that collectively are very stressful, okay? Usually the way we measure success online, we say, hey, I've tried 50 different things and I've only made $1,000 in the last two months. It's very easy to go, I'm a failure. I haven't succeeded online business. I go, no, you're learning. The learning process can be tough. I went to a very long learning arc. If you think learning online marketing was easy, it was not. I lived in my mother's basement for a year. Then I lived on my friend's couch in a studio apartment for another year and a half. That is two and a half years where I lived in a very uncomfortable situation. Now, plenty of people have lived in worse situations. There are plenty of people who had to sleep on floors or sleep rough, and I don't want to take anything away from them, but I do want you to realize that I put in a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and uncomfortableness to get there. Sleeping on a couch at the foot of someone's bed for a year and a half is not a dream come true, but I said, I'll do whatever it takes to learn this craft. So please understand that sometimes it takes time to learn things, and that's okay. By putting in the time, by putting in the effort, we begin to achieve greatness. So as you hit these failures, before you think about quitting, just say to yourself, hey, What's the source of these failures? Because it's not something out in the universe. I gotta stop doing that. And when you isolate your failures, you go, oh, there's three different things that are causing me problems. Whenever my kid comes home from school, I get distracted. Or whenever this TV show comes on or whenever I decide to play a video game, you can find that there's different little things that distract you or you get projects from work that are too much. Whatever it is, you can fix it now as soon as you stop blaming the universe. And that's why these little failures can actually become the best thing that ever happens to your business because it allows you to learn, grow, and finally achieve the success that we both know you absolutely deserve. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back tomorrow with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you tomorrow. You've just listened to another amazing episode of the Serve No Master podcast. Make sure to subscribe and we'll be back tomorrow with another amazing episode.